Good evening, everyone. Good evening and welcome back. Uh, welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast. This is the second um, time I've recorded the beginning of this podcast because I just messed it up. Steve told me to leave it in, but I've deleted it, so we've gone back to the original one. Um, I'm a little bit delirious. I've been a bit sick. How are you, Steve? Good evening. Good I'm morning. Right. Are you all right? I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, <laughs> my baby's sick. My new baby has caught... Caught her cold from the other one, so it's like... Your new baby compared to your old baby, is that what you say? Yeah. Do you say new baby, old baby? Four, four <laughs> months versus 20 months and four months is sick. Well, some people would say that's a good distance between children. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> ask me in another couple of months, mate. <laughs> couple of months. You look relaxed. Yeah. People can't see you, but I can tell the listeners that Steve is, you know, sitting in his room in his study and he looks very, very chilled. This, this sunny... Uh, you in this room and like the kids are in, my wife are out in the other... Sunny <laughs> Tuesday morning. It's a sunny Tuesday morning. We're recording this on a Tuesday night. As everyone knows, I always say it, but I like to say it. Um, for those of you who are listening who haven't been to the podcast before, we probably should introduce ourselves. Um, yeah. Introduce ourselves. My name is Michael Bath. Steve is on the other end. Steve is in Sydney. I am in Bahrain. No, I'm not in Bahrain. I'm usually in Bahrain, but I'm in London at the moment. Steve, mm -hmm. let me start with the usual because I want to just do a couple of shout outs. Um, mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people like me doing these shout outs, but I just want to do a couple of shout outs because we have a couple of new Patreon members. Um, cool. And Patreon. For those of you who don't know, which I'm sure everyone does by now, is where you can go and support the podcast, helps us keep talking. Originally, it was to help us buy equipment. I bought a couple of pieces of equipment. Um, they haven't really been playing nicely with my computer, so I haven't used them. Um, yeah. But we will buy other things when I get back to Australia for sure. Um, so if you want to go to Porsche Cool, like I said, you go to Patreon, uh, patreon.com, you search for Porsche Cooled or you just go patreon.com slash Porsche Cooled. And like I said, that's where you can support the podcast from anywhere from $2 to $10 US dollars a month. I find myself, Steve, talking now in US dollars all the time. And I think it's because I've been um, investing in US dollars. So now I talk in US dollars. And I was talking really? to Natasha's father today about um, about something. And I was talking in US dollars. And he said to me, why are you talking in US dollars? And it's like, I don't know. I actually think in US, I think in Bahraini dinner and US dollars. And the Bahraini dinner is pegged almost to the US dollars. So it kind of fluctuates with the US dollar, which is not great. As an Aussie, I find that scary because it's obviously lower. And sometimes you kind of get trapped going, oh, that's only like 50 bucks US and that's like 50 bucks US is actually, you know, 60, 70 dollars Oz. Yeah. Deceptive. It tricks you into thinking something is um, psychologically cheaper than it is. Absolutely. Like <laughs> Absolutely. And I was, and because of look at cars and the newest dollars and because I'm working out finances at the moment, I was thinking, wow, what I have so little money. And then I realized, ah, oh, one of the lots I'm working out in US dollars. So that's why it's a little bit less than what it should be. Right. So it all makes sense now. Anyway, back to uh, back to Porsche, uh, Porsche Cooled on Patreon. Uh, I want to say a big thank you, um, and Steve does as well, I'm sure, to Michael or Mike. Um, I've just spoke briefly to Mike on Instagram, actually. He reached out to me. Uh, he joined uh, Porsche Cooled Exclusive Plus, uh, which is the top tier. Uh, Mike's got a 718 Boxster. He had a Boxster before that. Oh, Mike, I uh, had a Boxster before that. I think he said it was a 2010 model. And his daughter wanted a sports car and she wanted a 944. I think he said he tried to talk her out of it. He couldn't. She's bought it. Uh, I think he looks after it in his garage and he <laughs> loves it. 
he thinks yeah, it's a right great car because I saw it on his Instagram and I thought, oh, so you've got a couple of Porsches and that's his daughter's uh, 944. Hey, man, um, that's an angle I've never thought of. Yeah, Steve, there it both is. My, both my daughters want cars that I might conveniently want. Yes. And you might have to wait a while. You have to wait me. 17 years. Um, no, fuck it. Like <laughs> in about three years. But the thing <laughs> is what I was thinking, you buy these cars now, you say to Cindy, I'm buying mm-hmm. these cars for, you know, your daughters. And mm-hmm. then when they grow up, they're going to have this car, which is such an asset then. Can you imagine what a petrol car is going to be worth in 16 years' time? Either zero mm-hmm. or a lot. Yeah, what I was about to say. <laughs> either, negative, either negative, like, a couple of thousand. No, you know what will happen? They'll go, Dad, why did you buy me this old-fashioned petrol car? Why didn't you buy me the yeah. cool electric sports they'll be, car? They'll be ostracized by all their mates, too, for ruining the planet. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, your dad's got that, that loud, gus-guzzling, old-fashioned car from 20 yeah. years ago, 30 years yeah. ago. Yeah, that's how it works. Um, uh, the other member of Porsche Cooled is um, Jared. Jared, I think, yeah. Jared, who joined Porsche Cooled Exclusive. Uh, I don't know what Jared owns or drives, but thank you, Jared. Good, Jared. Um, so that's great. Thanks for supporting Porsche, uh, Porsche Cooled on, on Patreon. That's fantastic. Um, owner's Story, Steve, did you get a listen to Owner's Stories this week with Stuart from Melbourne? I didn't because it only just went live um, yeah. overnight. And I'm, and I'm slack. I'm slack. I'm oh, sorry. Cool. All good. All good. Um, I, I normally, I try to send Steve the episode and lately I've been forgetting um, and I realised I realized just before we came on the podcast that I hadn't sent it to you. Um, it's all right. It's all uh, but Stuart, uh, Stuart's episode went live on Tuesday, which is today when we're recording this, but his episode went live. Stuart had a great story. Like I said, he's from Melbourne. Um, he's a car guy. Um, you know, his first Porsche is the one he owns now, which is a, a 85 Carrera Iris Blue 3.2 Coupe. Uh, Iris Blue is really, really nice. It's a really, really yeah, nice colour. Um, he imported the car, Steve, from the US in 2015. Uh, and then mm-hmm. he went over to the US. He picked it up, did a road trip in it, had a few hiccups when he picked it up. Um, but it's best if the listeners listen to the owner's story to find that out. Had a few hiccups. It all worked out in the end. Got to enjoy it in the US and then shipped it back to Melbourne and still owns it today. He did an interesting thing, actually. He reached out on, um, what was it called? One of the sites in the US, Pelican Parts. Sorry, Pelican Parts. He put a f- ad mm-hmm. up on Pelican Parts and he read it out in the um, podcast mm-hmm. asking for what you know he was looking for. And then someone mm-hmm. approached him excuse me, with a car off market and he eventually bought that car. Yeah, right. So, I mean, I think that's a good way to do it. And I know that Nick at the Classic Series too with his white 912. Hi, Nick. I know you're probably listening. Um, yeah. Nick kind of did the same thing. He was sort of reaching out and then a car came to him that wasn't advertised. Um, yep. I think that's probably the best way to do it, isn't it? You really do need to get in there without it hitting the main market. Uh, I think you've got to try everything. But, yeah, like if you can... I guess the ideal thing is to buy um, buy a car that's been owned by somebody like-minded, equally enthusiastic, somebody stupid enough to kind of pour all their money into their car <laughs> like us. Um, and, yeah, I guess if you can kind of do that through forums, Facebook, social, whatever, and, and try to hook up with that type of person and get a car off them, um, probably It's ideal. the community, isn't it, again, Steve? It's, that commu- it's the community again. It's, it's you know... Yeah, I don't know. Into it. I've never, I've never really done it. I've only ever bought car through car sales, like the Australian sort of website. I've never 
gone and found something off market. I suppose, like anything, though, I'm guessing that you're going to have the same thing, like somebody's version of what is a good car or not a problem might be, you know, a problem to a potential buyer sort of thing. So I suppose you still have to kind of align with it. Well, like I said, I don't want to give it away, and I usually do, but Stuart had a PPI done. Um, He (laughs) had the car... You know, the car was stored, I think, from February to August when he went to the US. So it was stored for six months, um, reputable mm-hmm. place that stored it. Um, and when he picked it up, like I said, there were a few surprises, even though the PPI was done. Yeah. Um, but he did get them rectified at a cost, of course. Um, yep. But, you know, all in all, with the cost of the car and the cost of shipping and everything, it was still a really good price. He shares that cost in the in the podcast. Um, I think it's good for people, Australian listeners, actually, to listen to that because the process... Um, Stuart has, has gone through to bring the car in. Like he's quite, you know, he has a lot of great information about that. Um, we probably could have mm. done even a separate episode on on bringing the car into Australia. Um, but he has yeah, good right. information and he doesn't, he's he's happy to share it, the costs and everything. I mean, it was five years ago, but he's happy to share the cost and, and how it worked for him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's some, um, I think it's a good story. Um, that's it. Yeah, cool. So that's our Porsche Good Owner Stories this week with Stuart. Um, what was I going to say, Steve? Last week, um, last week, uh, actually on Sunday, uh, Classics of the Clubhouse was on. Um, that was that event I was telling you about that PJ in, in the UK has been on Owner Stories organised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know you couldn't I, make it. Yeah, I couldn't make it because I had a presentation in the middle of the day when it was on, so I, I just couldn't get out of it. Um, but I saw the, the images on um, Instagram and I've had a few messages from Ajmal, the flat cap driver, Nick at the Classic Series. Uh, who else sent me a message? Nick, who's been on Owner Series, my friend in the UK. He's got yeah. the Carrera 4S. Um, seemed like a good event. Um, spoke to PJ briefly on Instagram before. He said it went really well. Um, everyone was there, though. Sunburn Lobster was there, Jack. Uh, I think his yeah. car's getting fixed, so I don't think his car was there. Flat 6 Jack, who does all their repairs. And I'm sure there was a lot of other Porsche people, but it was looked like a really good event. I mean, it wasn't just Porsches, it was air-cooled, you know what I mean? It's air-cooled, so it was Porsches and VWs. Um, PJ was big into VWs. I think he still has his, um, he still has his Beetle. Um, so there was did 997 of, Nick go? Yes, he did. Nick did go, yeah. Oh, okay. Nick was going because I was going as well, and I think he had other friends going, so that's why I felt oh, okay. a bit bad that I couldn't actually, um, I couldn't actually get there. Yeah. <clears throat> and like I said, I was sick on Sunday afternoon, so I've been sick most of the rest of the time since then, so not great. Yeah. Um, but it was, looks like a great event. Like I said, PJ organises it. Uh, you know, um, I think Flat Six Jacks or Flat Six Jack was one of the sponsors. I think Group Four Wheels was a sponsor. Um, I think it's going to be on every year, so you should check that out if you're in the UK for next year. If you didn't get to the one this year, okay. Um, I just watched that video, Steve. Have you watched it on TGE TV? The his Targa restoration series. They're such short videos he makes. There's not much. There's not much substance to it, but it's still a good video. What, what stage was it? Ah, uh, the spray painting of it. Uh, then no, I haven't. Yeah, it, I think it just came up tonight. Um, okay. I think if the listeners haven't watched it, you should watch it. That's Tom from TGE TV on his, on YouTube. You should watch it because he's got this black Targa. When he first bought it, I. Th- I think I saw the video, I saw images, and I thought, oh, it looks pretty good, right? It looked okay, the condition of it, don't you think, Steve? And it's got tan interior, which yeah. is a nice combo. But, you know, if you watch but, the well, series... In that first episode, when he sort of got it, he said that it was, you know, pretty schmick, blah, blah, blah. But I think, didn't he also buy it off... Um, it was the personal car of, like, a fairly well-known dealer. So I guess 
in my brain, I would have just thought, oh, okay, so the car is kind of sorted. And then <laughs> as you kind of go along, then you realise that this car's got like all this rust and everything through yeah. it that needs to kind of be fixed. So, I mean, the rust was, you know, um, we've, we mentioned that I think in a previous episode, but I just want to say like I, I've been watching Rint Vehicle Design where he's getting it done for a while, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I know mm-hmm. I did a shout out for Brian because Brian contacted me about that charity day that he was having at the Thruxton Circuit, um, which I mm-hmm. think is in July. Um, and I think, you know, they have, I look at them because they have those 912s for sale. They've had a few good, nice 912s, Steve. They have the two black ones that they're restored. I think there's one there, which is an owner's car. Mm-hmm. And then one that they did, I think they're about 48 and 55,000. Um, and even in his, his video today, you get a glimpse of, if you look at the beginning of the video, the one you get a glimpse of the 912 that he talks about the black one with the silver wheels. That's mm-hmm. the one that I, that I think is, is pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. It's not completely standard because it's got these silver wheels and it's got four exhausts at the back. And I think they've done the stamp on the steering wheel, their actual logo on the steering wheel, not the Porsche logo. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, but I think it's been fully restored, that one. But you get, a, yeah, cool. you get, a, you get to see that in the video, which is kind of cool. Um, but I was just going to say, it wasn't about that I was thinking. It was the workmanship. It was the metal work. Like the, the car looked, mm. you know, like it looked like it was really good quality, you know. And then he was spraying it, getting it all resprayed black. I didn't realize he was getting it fully repainted. Well, again, because I think at the beginning, didn't he sort of, I, I suppose like um, TG sort of said the same thing about his um, 912, which it sounds like he's going to send to rent as well, right? But he kind of said that he didn't really want to sort of do a full restoration. And like in the end, like it's, he's gone bare metal respray kind of thing, so... I, I guess this is what happens though, isn't it? You know, like yeah, you buy it. <laughs> I mean, I would probably, I don't know. Lately I've been thinking, is that what you really have to do? Because the issues with an old classic Porsche 911, 912, there is going to be all these rust issues and other issues where floors have been mm-hmm. taken out and re- mm-hmm. put in incorrectly. Is this what you have to do? You just have to get a cheap, reasonable body, reasonable motor, working motor, 911 or 912, let's say 912, Steve, and then mm-hmm. send it to someone like Rint or if you're in Australia, send it to Order House and, and uh, John at Pro Stitch and get it completely done. You know what I mean? No, there's obviously middle ground. I, it's part of the reason why I personally predict that a 912 for you, like I understand your enthusiasm for it, but I reckon that um, your, your fussiness and your basic kind of attitude towards ha- wanting things just so will it'll cost you an absolute bomb because, um, you know, like even I, I suppose when I look at my uncle, he's sort of fairly blase about some of his, you know, relatively kind of nice cars, but even then, and he's a Scrooge man, he doesn't listen to this, but um, when I kind of hear him talking about his 2002 TIs and stuff like that, all of a sudden he's kind of going and painting them and stuff like that, which he generally wouldn't do. Um, he, so yeah, I, sorry, the point to my kind of weird ramble is I think, um, it's probably a bigger can of worms than you sort of realize. And then yeah. it's just so easy to kind of go, ah, oh, if I'm going to do that, then I may as well just kind of get, you know, like rather than just that bit painted, I may as well do the whole thing because it won't match. Yeah. And, and I kind of got a bit of start doing that, mm. you're just doing everything. <laughs> yeah. Then your money just starts going away, flying away. Um, I guess it was well, inspiration think... inspiration from David from last week's owner stories, though, how that car that he found, and whether you listened to it when he found the car and it wasn't orange, but he saw the, the yep. window was out yep. and he saw that it was orange and then he got it 
then he started and he just completely did the car. I mean, that's a beautiful car. I love the interior. I keep seeing it, yeah, but yeah, I really yeah. do love the interior of that of David's car. It's just perfect. And the car itself, not just the interior. Um, and I look at that and I think, yeah, that's what I want. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I want yeah, something like that. Yeah. It's like a 911T so with a different motor. I'm kind of thinking now it's not, it's not that important for me to have this matching numbers 912. I never wanted Concourse anyway or 911, but I kind of like this mm. motor swap thing. You yeah, know what I mean? Rod, yeah. yeah, hot rod, you know, and it's like someone said, you know, you get a, a 912E, 912Es are okay, but don't get rid of that engine and put another engine in it, you know, swap the engine mm-hmm. out, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, it's, these things come into my, these project ideas come into my head and then I think, God, how much is that going to cost and I, now I have no money. I think it's also just, um, look, I'm, I'm, I'm speculating because I've never done it, like I've always sort of been a relatively newish or modern kind of car person, but... Um, I'm guessing that the other kind of trial and tribulation of the whole project thing is that um, I'm guessing it takes much longer than you kind of anticipate. So, you know, like use Zuckerman as an example, like if your car's off the road for four years but you're not as rich as him and, you know, you're, you're basically kind of pouring money into it um, but you actually also still don't really get to enjoy it because it's up on blocks or it's in a workshop or in, it's sort of being moved around. Like I think a couple of my uncle's cars, like the, um, he had an old Mini and an old couple of old Beetles and stuff like that. They were often not, you know, sitting in his driveway, so he couldn't even, you know, polish or tinker with it himself. Like he's fairly mechanical. It was often, you know, off in some sort of shop. Um, so if you're kind of paying all that money and, you know, this is your enthusiast, your, your sort of super enthusiastic hobby project thing, but then it's kind of gone for, you know, months out of years and stuff like that. You barely get to drive it, etc. I, I guess yeah. it's a bit of a test of patience as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how long it takes from start to finish. I mean, you know, years um, ago, um, like I said, the guy they worked for had the 911T, remember? I think it was a T, yeah. T-O-E, Peter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was when he put that in for restoration. It was... I think it was getting on, I mean, we lost contact, but I think it was getting on to like four years and he still hadn't had the car back. Mm. I don't know who he sent it to, what Porsche specialist he sent that to, but it was like, it was at least four years, at least. Um, That's just too long. That's why I like the idea of Rint. I mean, I I guess because Rint, I saw that car they did for someone in Singapore. Um, They did it, I think it was an, I don't know whether it was an SC and it had like a really interesting interior. It's on their Instagram page and it went to Singapore Mm. and then the person in Singapore posted a photo, I think, or they posted a photo, Mm. you know, so they obviously did it all remotely, these people, you know, people just, you know, maybe they say, find me a donor car and fix it up. You know, you could do that. But what's the cost of that? You know what I mean? I I don't know what that would even cost. You should get, I don't know, it'd be good to kind of get somebody like um, Pierre at Atlas on or somebody like that, like. Ron Goodman, I suppose, because I think also I was about to say, like when it comes to bodywork and paintwork, um, you know, I'm guessing that a lot of those businesses don't make like a ton of money out of kind of working on classics. So like yeah. um, if you go back to my uncle, he'd often go to his kind of, you know, um, friendly body shop and sort of go, hey, here's a car, um, fix it when you're ready kind of thing. So they would obviously kind of go and do all their Camrys and Hondas or, their BMWs because that's what actually makes the money and then they tried to squeeze in his kind of project oh, car right, on the side. Right, or right, same yeah. with um, Clarence, the trimmer guy, um, and that's why it would also take forever because, you know, that car would be wind up sort of being a rainy day sort of thing and then, you know, four years later it's still not done. <laughs> and then by the time you get it you don't want it anymore. You want something else. Kind of because you, your patience has been tested if, if it's starting to kind of cost you more and more money. 
Yeah. Look, I, yeah. I shouldn't be saying all this stuff because I have no experience with it, but I can imagine that <laughs> money. if, you have if it was me in that situation, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I would go mental if I started to spend thousands of dollars on something that I couldn't. Like I said, I have really no idea the cost. Enjoy. I really don't. I have no idea what these things would actually cost. I mean, mm. I'm sure they're a lot. Yep. Um, what else? Let me just go back, Steve. Let me just go back a little bit. Uh, I'm just going to say uh, there's two Apple reviews this week. Um, I'm just going to read them really quickly. One is just Porsche Good Podcast, um, and that is from Orange 911T in New Zealand. Uh, that's David. So thank you, David, for the podcast. Uh, much appreciated. Um, David's uh, friend Paul was on a previous episode from New Zealand who's had the um, Carrera and the Ferrari as well. Check, um, out, um, check out the pictures that... Michael posted um, of David's interior, the the brown leather interior and his orange on his orange hot rod is so cool. Yeah, and <laughs> really, also, really yeah, no, it's fantastic. And also, I, I um, David's actually on Instagram now. Um, he joined oh, it. Is he? I said to him it'd okay. be great to tag, and he's, he's he joined it. Um, so I have tagged that Instagram now. So if people want to follow David. He's been posting a lot more photos. He posted a picture of his SC. Um, the other day, David, if you're listening, post a picture of the interior of ESC. I want to see that Pasha interior. Um, take a picture of that because the Pasha in the red is um, is very very cool. Um, but David gave us a review, so thanks, um, David, for that. Um, and then uh, the next one is Fantastic Porsche Podcast. Uh, that's from uh, GLBJ23 in Australia. Um, this is the one that was deleted last week and has now appeared back up again. So thank you so much for that. I won't read it all out because they're, they're long reviews, but it's a very uh, it's a very nice review cool. i could read it out, <laughs> Do you want me to read it out? <laughs> i don't know if you've seen it steve i only read it out for your benefit you know so you no, hear it so fine. you get some you know some some appreciation you know it's a good one go and have a look at apple Podcasts. it's a good one okay i'm good it says at the end the banter with steve very clearly a co-host not just a regular guest is fantastic oh and oh. steve's clear and nonchalant manner when he drops those f-bombs pure class Who's, who is this person? <laughs> I'm a guest, God damn it! <laughs> yeah, um, there's other bits about me in there, but you know, I always get the compliments, so it's always good when there's there's something about you. Someone else said a funny thing to me the other day. They sent me a message, mm. or a, is it on YouTube? Sorry, I don't remember who you were. About um, hearing about your Steve's knobs and um, something <laughs> else. Were we talking about this regular thing with your multiple knobs that you keep buying for your GT3? Yes. Um, so someone, a listener found that, a listener found that very, very humorous. It made me laugh mm-hmm. when I read it. Some of these things, they, they just make me laugh. I'll send it to you. It's funny. Steve, yes. last week we talked about the touring. And of course, yes, um, at least we didn't name it. Least, the laws. Yeah, at least we didn't name it no manual touring for the GT3. Uh, uh-huh. No manual for the GT3 touring. At least we didn't name it that like another podcast. Uh, because yeah. now that's wrong. Of course, I think it was that evening or the next morning, um, the GT3 touring in manual for people in the US, in California. You can now yeah. order it. The law has been passed or changed, right? Did you hear what Zuckerman said about that or Spike was saying about that on their podcast, how it was just the Porsche lawyers thought that they shouldn't offer it or yeah. something? Yeah, they were being conservative in their interpretation of um, the regulation. And then as it turns out, they're just kind of going, that code's obsolete. You know, we don't have a new one for you, but bring it in anyway. Yeah, <laughs> so that's right. Okay. Lieberman was explaining it, wasn't he? Lieberman was explaining yeah. it. He explained it quite well, though. He did explain it quite well. Did he? Uh, is that in the most recent podcast? Or yeah, the most recent one. The I one don't... where it says no okay. manual GT3 for you or whatever. Oh, yeah, okay, right. In his yeah. podcast. But can I ask a question? 
So it was only the Touring that wasn't available manual, or was it the GT3 yeah. with the wing as well? Uh, they said Touring, didn't they? But I don't know. But if they're exactly like, the same, why would they say no to one and yes to another? That's a bit I couldn't it, understand. Yeah, you're right. It came up, it came up and it's obviously um, not an issue anymore, but um, it came up with the launch of the Touring. But you're, you're dead right because they're exactly the same kind of car. So, and if it was a, if it's a specific kind of noise level in a particular kind of, in a particular gear at certain revs, then it wouldn't that be exactly the same between that's the wing what I and thought. The that's what I thought. So why are they hesitant on the Porsche lawyers saying we don't we can't release the touring, but we can release the wing? Doesn't make any sense if the engine's exactly the same and everything's the same. Manual versions haven't been um, manual GT3 992s haven't been um, released yet, have they? You can't get one yet. Not sure. Uh, sorry, you can order it, but you can't actually. They haven't delivered them yet, have they? Oh, really? I didn't know that. I, think so. I don't think I've ever seen one. Still on the touring, let me just bring this up. And mm. um, I can't remember the... Per- this is on my on my YouTube channel, Michael Bath, when I put the podcast up. As most of the listeners know, the podcast goes up on YouTube because some people still enjoy listening to it on YouTube and not on a podcast host. Mm-hmm. But someone left a comment, and I appreciate the comment because I didn't know this, and I don't know mm. where the source came from or if it's true. And I know there is a listener of the podcast in Sydney, David... Uh, and I know David's just bought a GT3 Touring, and I know he wanted to buy the Irish Green one that was for sale a while back, and I think he missed out on that, but he's bought another one just recently. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he had a Carrera T before that. Or he might still have the Carrera T. I can't remember, David, sorry. Um, but this maybe is the thing for you, David. You might know this because I know you have a lot of information. Someone commented on YouTube that only 18991.2 examples of the Touring were sold in Australia. Sounds low, so, right? And then someone said, that, so that means it doesn't sound like the 25 limited editions for the 75th anniversary, whatever it was, for the touring that's been made for Australia, is that mm-hmm. special? Because the 991.2 only had eight in examples. So is it special or is it not special, Steve? What do you think? That, that 70th anniversary Aussie thing that we're slightly ambivalent about or in between, um, that, um, you can order that in a PDK as well, though, can't you? You can order it Probably. Way. Is that right? Yeah, but he's not just talking yeah, about manuals. He's just talking about 991.2 Tourings. Were they all manuals? Tour- you can't get a PDK Touring. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He just said he thought there was only 18 exam- approximately 18 anyway, examples sold yeah. of the 991.2 Touring and there's 25 it of this new low. anniversary edition. So, I mean, I guess Porsche want to sell more than 18 than like they did last time. So maybe is this yeah. why they're introducing an anniversary edition to boost the sales of the touring? I'm surprised it was only 18 in all of Australia. Yeah, it me surprises too. me. Me too. I thought that there would be kind of more. And if it was that low, I mean, maybe it's about to happen. But um, say over the last 18 months, like you know, um, it didn't seem like um, tourings in Australia commanded like a massive premium over... Um, you know, like a standard 901.2 GT3. Yeah. So, I think if it's only 18, I think the prices of, the, of GT3 Touring's 901.2s are going to go through the roof. Yeah, like everything. Yeah, like everything. They have to. They have to. Anyway, yeah. I don't know how it was in other parts of the world, but that's the story in Australia, apparently. But if anyone knows the true details of that, I'm sure there's people out there that do. Um, Stephen, you might know it as well. Stephen, who's been on the previous owner stories in Sydney. Stephen, you might have that information. You, you always um, give me good info. Maybe you know that uh, that answer to that one. Um, what else, Steve? I was going to talk about. Uh, I don't know whether I should talk about this or not because I don't know if I can actually 
manage it or, or do it. Um, Todd at Stone City Outlaw reached out to me um, a couple of weeks ago, who's been on the mm. previous owner stories. And he said, why don't you set up a WhatsApp group or something where people who have been on Porsche Gould or you know, people interested in Porsche Gould to listen to it can get together and chat in one spot. Um, I can't deal with any more WhatsApp groups. I've got so many WhatsApp <laughs> groups. <laughs> I've got so many WhatsApp groups for work. I really, I, I, I can't cope with them. There's just too many. Um, so coincidentally, I did set up a Discord a while ago. Um, for people who don't know what Discord is, it's like a voice video. Disco? Discord, it's called. Yeah, it's a, it's a no voice video text chat sort of thing, right? Um, it's used right. a lot in, you know, a lot of things have groups on Discord. It's like a community. It's not a forum, but it can be almost like a community, a Porsche school community. Sure, sure. I just want to touch on this because I don't know how it's, how it's going to work. Um, I, had have, I did have that set up. Um, I told Todd. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, it's me and Todd who are the only members of this Discord. <laughs> I I haven't really been on it. I don't really do it, but Todd joined it. Um, and, you know, I think it's a good idea. Um, if anyone <laughs> wants to join it, you can just, I mean, I, put a, I can put a link in an Instagram story. I think I did that today. Um, or you can reach out to me and I can send you the invite link. I don't know How if it'll it work. work. It's like it's like a chat thing. Um Drive Tribe had it when I was on Drive Tribe uh, doing articles for Drive Tribe. I did a few articles for them and they have it. It's like a group thing where everyone comes together. The crypto, all the crypto things have it. You know, if, you, if you're, on, you know, if you're buying some sort of coin, whatever it may be. For an idiot like me, how do I, is this an app that I download on yeah, my it's phone? Yeah, it's an app. It's an app. It's called Discord. It's D-I-S-C-O-R-D. Um, so I've okay. set it up. There's like channels on there. There's like, you know... Um, you know, shameless self, shameless promotion where you can post pictures of your cars or you can promote other things or events. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. I probably haven't set up every channel properly. Um, I have to go through and check it. I just haven't had a chance to do it. But I, I did set it up. It is kind of there. It would be working. Um, if you guys want to go on it and just chat to each other, um, Steve and I will pop in every now and again probably. Um, you know, you can share images, you can just share stories and, and people from owner's stories can will be on there if you want to talk to them about things. You can send my knobs like if I you said, want. I'll leave it there. I'll leave it, yeah, I'll leave it there. Um, like I said, Todd's on there, I'm on there. We can try it out, see how it works. It becomes like a bit of a Porsche cool community. Not a forum, but it's a community. You know what I mean, Steve? An online thing where mm-hmm. you can just text and chat. I find Discord easier with that sort of thing than WhatsApp. You know what I mean? Um I've never been a huge yeah. fan of WhatsApp. I just, you know, have to use it every day. So I mute my family type things because yeah, I, know. I don't know. <laughs> if there's too much chatter and you just don't really want to kind of be involved, it gets a little bit annoying. Well, can I tell you something? WhatsApp and look, I know it's it's really popular. It's really popular in the Middle East. And mm-hmm. instead of sending emails, most people a lot of people just use WhatsApp. I have to mm-hmm. tell you, I mean, I have the desktop app, which makes it easier, but I tell you, it drives me crazy getting all these documents through WhatsApp. You know, I don't like yeah. it. You know, our real estate agent in London, he, he just wants to use WhatsApp. He keeps sending me all these agreements and all this stuff. It's like, you know, can you email them to me? Like, it just, I just lose track of it all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I yeah, just yeah, find yeah. it overwhelming. Hey, the new GTS came out. Did you see it? I did. I think it looks pretty cool. I do like the GTS. Yeah, I'm a bit unsure. Uh, no, no, it depends on what it is kind of thing. I, I um, Did you watch Nick Murray's YouTube feed on it? 
No, I haven't. A... I haven't watched it. I saw it and I forgot to go back and watch it. I missed it. Is that any good? He has a little bit of a rant, I don't know, um, which is kind of interesting. He doesn't like Alcantara though, so. Yeah, and I don't always agree with some of his points of view. But like, you know, um, having said that, he would be, um, he kind of, he talks about GTS models in general, about, you know, some of them are duds and then some of them are really good kind of thing. Um, and it depends on the, whether Porsche have chosen to kind of take an S model and uptune the engine or take a, you know, higher engine and then detune it and that type of well, thing. Well, they've upgraded the engine. They've upgraded. This one is the upgraded, um, upgraded version of the Carrera S uh, twin turbocharge, three litre flat so six if engine. You, if you follow Nick, Nick's, uh, or my interpretation of what he's sort of saying is that this is potentially not the good one because, you really? know, like just kind of winding up the turbos a tiny bit or lobbing bigger turbos on it isn't necessarily always a good uh, thing. I'd, I don't know. I don't have – I've not driven like any of these kind of new GTSs. I know uh, when, when we were looking for my wife's McCann, ideally we wanted a GTS, but um, they were heaps more expensive, strangely. Well, um, so I don't know. Did you see the quickest acceler- acceleration – I'm quoting here because I wrote this down – from the Carrera 4 mm. GTS PDK, this is the new one, uh, reaches mm. 62 miles an hour, 100 kilometres an hour, in just 3.3 seconds. Yep. I mean, it's just getting so fast, Steve, you know? So quick, yeah. Rear-wheel drive models fitted with a manual transmission do the deed in 4.1 seconds, uh, drops back to 3.4 seconds when fitted with a PDK. It surprises yep. me that the PDK is 0.6 seconds faster. It's a lot faster, isn't it, PDK, you know? Maybe you yeah, should yeah, get yeah. a PDK. Maybe PDK is better than manual. <laughs> It's learn to drive, mate. <laughs> um, what else about the GTS? The thing I did like about the GTS, and I really, you know, I'm a big fan of the 991.1 GTS. I've said it before. Um, but the GTS, uh, I like this optional lightweight package that Porsche is now offering. I think that was the thing that made me more interested. Um, but, you know, when you read deeper into it, Steve, what it actually is, they removed 25 kilograms, right, mm-hmm. by using thinner glass, lithium-ion yep. battery, and removal yep. of the rear seats. Yep. That's it. And the buckets and the lightweight buckets in front. Is it? They didn't say that in the yep. one I wrote. And they give you lightweight buckets, do they? I wonder yep. how much that yep. pack costs. That's quite a good idea to get that pack, though, I think. Be pretty cool. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe GTS, I'm just assuming that, you know, like if you're in the market kind of thing. I think, for example, my uncle, when he kind of got his used 991.2, he said to me he'd ideally like a GTS as well. I'm guessing that you're kind of in the market for an S and you're looking for particular options. Porsche are kind of cluey enough to go, oh, okay, like these are the these are the most sort of popular sort of options like probably PSE and um, Sports Chrono, bit of trim here and there. Let's kind of grab all of that and then we're going to jam a couple more that um, will tempt you with or will make you pay <laughs> that little bit extra um, and there's your GTS kind of thing. That's probably the cynical way of putting it. Um, I suppose. I saw another 992 on the road the other day again. I saw a black one this time. Um, looks yeah. good in black as well. The other one I saw was yeah, crayon probably. chalk, but the black one looked good. And I saw another Taycan. All the Taycans I see though, they're always in black. I don't know why I haven't. I haven't I seen saw, one in. Uh, I haven't seen one in that beautiful color yet. The strawberry milkshake color or the cappuccino color. <laughs> I thought you were about to say frozen berry. <laughs> Your favourite colour, frozen berry. I was driving before we were locked down um, a week and a half ago. I was driving down the M2 and I saw a white one and a blue one, but it wasn't the Meissen blue one that I saw near my parents. It was sort of more like a sapphire kind of blue. 
Maybe oh, genital blue. Genital. Yeah. You know, I sent you that picture. Did you see it on Instagram? I sent you the link to yeah. it on genital blue yeah. um, GT3 Touring. How good does that look in the black with the black wheels and the yellow ceramics? It's a nice yeah. color, huh? Not my favorite. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not all that into really? genital blue. I don't know. Yeah. I thought it looked good. You know the other color that I really like that I've seen on Instagram? Yep. It's the one with yep. the wing in that in um, that blue you just said. My, how do you, what is it? Mice and... Oh, mice and... Mice and blue. Did you see it? Oh, is that the one that's got um, black wheels, but then they put a shark... They left the shark blue stripe on the, um, mm, the, the rim I'm, of the wheel? I don't think so. I'm not sure. Oh, that was golf blue. No, that was no a golf this is blue mice and blue. Terrible. I saw a mice and blue. There's a mice and blue um, GT3 with the wing that's just been going the rounds on Instagram. Okay. All, everyone's been re- yeah, right. posting it. It's nice in that color. But, you know, then I saw, after our conversation last week, then I saw the GT Silver mm. um, Touring. Mm. You know, GT Silver is still one of the better colors. It still looks yeah. good in silver. There's something about the shape of it just looks spot on do you think yeah i think so i think so too i'd still be kind of opting for a more muted color like a neutral color like silver or something like that yeah so let's flash back a bit steve remember a few weeks back mm-hmm. we were talking about manti racing and how manti racing were doing the kit for the was it the yep. gt2 rs and the gt3 and the gt3 rs i don't know whether it was yep. gt3 or just gt3 rs did you see that yep. article did you see the article um that uh porsche sets a new lap record 643.3 uh, Manta, and this is about the uh, Porsche set a new lap record for the road approved production cars on the 20.8 Nürburgring Nordschleife in a 911 GT2 RS fitted with the Manti Racing Performance Kit. Now, if that's not reason enough to get one for your new GT2 or GT3 <laughs> RS, I don't know what it is. What do you reckon? Mm, how much is it? Well, how much you know, extra what, is you know, stuff? <laughs> no, you know what Porsche's done? This is the bit. This was the bit I. It wasn't about the timing. This is a bit I loved. This is typical mm. Porsche, right? And I'm going to read this to you, right? The Manti performance kit from Porsche consists of chassis aerodynamic and brake components specially developed for the 911 GT2 RS. It also includes mm-hmm. the Visac package light magnesium alloy wheels. The individual components of the performance kit are precisely matched to one another. They only become fully effective when they are all installed together. <laughs> Together, yeah. <laughs> this is typical Porsche, right? As a result, yeah. the kit is only available at the moment as a whole package. Individual offerings are currently being evaluated. <laughs> um, yeah. So you got to take I it still, all. We said it. We, I think we sort of spoke about it a couple of podcasts ago, but I still believe that the only people that are really going to get into that Manti stuff are proper track people. I don't think it's... It's not the kind of like people that want to brag about putting Manti stuff on their car and then just sort of drive around the streets of London or whatever. Because um, it's probably really expensive too. Huh? I think it'd be yeah, very expensive. yeah, 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 yeah. Magnesium like it'll, wheels. No, no doubt it'll, it'll get to that. Like eventually, you know, you'll be sporting kind of Manti stuff just for bragging rights kind of thing. But um, hasn't yeah. that doesn't sound like that's happened quite yet. But you've got to buy them as a as a whole kit. <clears throat> hey, what was um, yep. What else do you you want to jump forward? I've got I've got a few other things here, but I think we might have not enough time if we keep going through everything. Um, There you go, whatever, it's all good. uh, The other thing is, uh, it's a bit of a Porsche news episode this week, and it's not meant to be, but it's just these things I find interesting. It's only when we we find things that interesting, I I like to talk about them. But Uh a bit of a milestone because you know we've gone through you know like how many generations of Porsche can you remember? Because the 991 generation, Steve, the last Porsche 911 of the 991 generation came off the production line. 
Um, and it was a speedster. Uh, it looked like a silver one with the white paint, you know, that with the heritage pack or whatever it's called. Um, but I thought this was interesting. 233,540 units produced of the 991. Of the 991. I, don't, I didn't have time to get numbers of the uh, 997. Uh, I don't yep. know whether that's less or more, but it's 233,540 units produced, and the final specimen was a 911 Speedster. Um, you know, It'll the 991 has been interesting, though, don't you think, with the notable sort of models as well? Um, do you think that number of production is high compared to other generations? I, c- I can't remember. It will be. I reckon undoubtedly that'll be higher than um, every generation from, say, like um, 964, 993 onwards um, is when commercially as a business Porsche figured themselves out. They worked out how to manufacture cars and make like a shitload of money. Obviously, Boxster and KN kind of helped them with that, but... Um, yeah, like it, generation on generation, I'd I'd, I'd bet, bet my left testicle that um, don't do that. that mate. Um, the numbers would you've got to have more higher. babies. Don't do that. Oh, no more babies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but this is the thing, right? We've talked about nine nine seven before, and I think we did an episode on it. You know, the the most notable models that yeah. came out of the nine nine seven range. You know, like the Sport Classic. Uh, what yep. else was there? <laughs> there was something else. Yep. Uh, what was it? Sport Classic. Speedster. Uh, Speedster. Dar 4.0 GT3. Model, yeah, yeah, all that yeah. sort of stuff. So the 991, when you think about it, when you look back at it now, it's been quite a special generation as well. You know what I mean? The 911 Targa, right? Yeah. Targa's yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. cool. Targa. The 911 50th Anniversary Edition, you know, the one that 1963 yeah. examples were built. The 911R, my, one of my favorites at the moment. Yep. Um, the, um, the one that wasn't for sale, the, uh, Irish green, me and, yep. uh, 911, you know, yep. Yep. with the Pepita seats, your favorite. Um, and I think at the same time, uh, an article I read that Porsche exclusive manufacturer also brought out the 911 Turbo S exclusive, you know, the yellowy yep. gold one, golden yellow one, yep. which I think is a really gold nice one, car, yeah. by the way. I really like that, that Turbo S exclusive mm-hmm. series. Not um, my, not my cup of tea, that one. Yep. No GT2 RS. Another, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm just sitting here waiting to see if you can actually manage to rattle them off. But I bet and, you there's like about forty variants. Or 50 uh, and nine eleven GT two RS. Now these are the main ones, the notable ones. Um, and then the Speedster, the nine eleven Speedster, yeah. right? Because it was marking the seventieth anniversary. It was pretty special. They did that paintwork, that special paintwork, which some people hate, some people like. I actually kind of like it. Yep. Um, yep. I didn't write down the the nine eleven Carrera T. But I guess you have to kind of add the Carrera T because it was a bit of an underdog. It wasn't an expensive one, but it's, I think in time that will become quite an important car from the 991 generation. Um, I keep saying it was misunderstood. Was, yeah. Was know. there anything else, mate? I can't think of there's anything else. Uh, oh, GT3 uh, RS, I guess. Yeah, that was, I was, that was pretty special, right? Yeah. yeah. But I guess the GT3 RS not as special as, say, the 4.0 in the 997 generation. I don't know. Uh, probably, yeah, probably not. Probably not. It's pretty hard to kind of top a 4.0907 in terms of special. The only car that's sort of more special than that probably is a Carrera GT really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But what I was going to say to you, like that's your car, mm-hmm. the one that just came off the last one. It's probably not even, it's probably not even going to a normal person, right? The Speedster. Seinfeld. <laughs> but then you're buying the Speedster and it's like, but the 992's been out for <laughs> how many years <laughs> and you're buying a 991? 
I don't know. It's going to collect. Like, if I was about to ask you, um, has to be a collector, are they, right? Are they doing a charity thing, or is it going to Seinfeld? Because he got say. the last. He got the last nine nine three, didn't he? And he got the. Yeah, I'm not sure. He, I think he got the last. The, the last nine nine three speedster in production was a Seinfeld car, wasn't it? So, it'll go to somebody like him. Probably. I sent you that one that was for sale, right? That Speedster that was Seinfeld's ex-car, the white one. It's CPR Classics, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it was. Yep. That's a nice dealership, that one, yep. that CPR Classics. Man, they have some good cars. No prices on anything, though, but some nice cars. Come by, mate. Hey, what's this? Um, yeah, that's, it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice. Um, <laughs> too many nice things, Steve. Uh, 996, what's this thing about 996 you were telling me about? about um, uh, enthusiast yeah, Choice has become the Enthusiast Choice, has it? Uh, no, I think it wasn't that insightful, but uh, I think I was watching a TGE kind of, um, TGE was talking to Lee Sibley again and they were just sort of talking about um, 996s and he just kind of threw in something within the conversation which was like, oh, you know, like um, I guess people that are kind of shopping for an M2 or an M3 all of a sudden like a kind of migrating across to a 996. I was like, yeah. I guess so, I guess. And, like, I don't think – it just sort of made me think about what you kind of cross-shop when you're looking at um, – sort of call it more like a used 911, like, you know, supposedly a more affordable sort of thing. Um, so, you know, call it affordable. I can't believe I'm saying this. But say you've got, like, 100, 150 grand to spend Australian. Um, wow, that's a lot. You know, like, I guess – you are naturally going to then kind of go and consider things like an M2 or an M3 and, you know, like how do you sort of weigh something like that up? Because on face value, they're quite different, right? You know, like a, an M2 or an M3, just, just, just say an M2 or an M3, but you could probably lump like a C63 AMG in there or RS4. On. And they're about the price, like you said, at the moment, they're, they're getting an M2... Not a competition, mm-hmm. but if you get an M2, whatever they call it not in a, Australia. Not a CS, you mean? Yeah, not the CS. If you just get an M2, though, they're about the same price yep. as a 996 now, some 996s, right? Roundabout. Yeah. Because yep. you can get an yep. M2 for 69 or something, 70, yeah, 69, yeah, yeah. 75. Um, yep. So, you know, you can, can see where people like look three at Three people it. in that spot. Yeah. Where you're kind of going, well, do I get a 996 or what else do you start looking at? And, um, I don't know when I when I sort of heard TGE sort of say that, and then I started typing you some notes just as a sort of thing of you know is that a potential kind of topic to, to talk about? It sounds fairly obvious, but yeah, like um, if you were in the market and then you started looking at M2s and M3s or old um, V V8 AMGs and stuff like that, um, how do you really weigh that up? Because a 996 is on. Initially, I kind of went, wow, like that's quite different because, you know, most of those things are sedans. They're probably a reasonable bit more practical than a, call it a 996, um, 911, yeah. because the back seats are there, but they're small. Um, you know, like, can you really, if you're really in the market for something fun, would you really kind of be thinking about those sorts of things? Or like once you sort of go, yeah, that's the money I've got, would you really just sort of be leaping into one camp or the other? Like how close are they, do you think? It's tricky. It's a different, it's a different class. I still see it as a different class. But I, I, mm. I, I, I don't know, this thing between BMW and Porsche, um, mm-hmm. 
it's not a correlation, is it? But this relationship between BMW and Porsche, how a lot of Porsche owners look at BMWs and BMW owners are looking at Porsche. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely very strong, right? It's strong. And mm-hmm. I have to say, I yep. look at the price of M2s because yep. I never really looked at them. And then you had your 1M and I thought it was really cool. And then, you know, mm-hmm. another friend of mine in Sydney has a black M2. And I, when I saw it, I thought, fuck, it's a really cool looking car. Um, and if they're cheap enough, there might be a little fun car to, to drive. Um, and case, yeah. you and you know Natasha doesn't drive; she doesn't have a license. And yep. I thought, is that a better car for her to learn in? You know, because I wanted to learn yep. when we go back to Sydney. And I'm thinking, is that a better car for her to learn in than say a, you know, a Boxster or something like that? I don't know. It's more mm-hmm. practical. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe it's more fun. And if it's automatic, it's easier. So she doesn't have to learn in manual. I don't know. Or should she yep. learn in manual? So I look at them. You know, I also think, and I know, I think you said your cousin bought one, right? I think the M3, and yeah. people yes, might disagree with me on the podcast, people who, who listen to this, you know, but you have to sort of have your eyes open too. But the M3 competition, the previous generation, the F80, um, mm-hmm. that um, Bernard in Brisbane had one. He had one in that really beautiful mm-hmm. blue. I think that's a pretty good so car. Good, and if, yeah. yeah, and if people are looking for a practical car that's a f- fun car to drive, I think you have to look at that, Steve. You know, that is a car you would be on your list because once again, you can get those M3 competitions. I've seen them that are very close to... You know, they're closer to 996 money. Maybe they're close to 997 money than 996 money. You know what I mean? Mm, I think they're in the middle. My cousin, I think it was around the 100, maybe a little bit more than 100, maybe about 110. And, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's probably a hard thing to kind of talk about because I guess it depends on everybody's sort of circumstance. Like, in this particular example, my cousin opted for an M3. Like, we've been constantly trying to talk him into a 911, um, like, forever and ever and ever. But... He went for an M3 because I think he needed, um, he's got two little kids and he wanted, you know, four doors in a back seat kind of thing. Um, so he went down that path. Now, like if you argue hard, you could sort of say, well, you know, like with kids under, what, 12, um, a 911 is still, like a 996 is still very usable. Like you yes. Could, um, you, yep. could still, you can still do the school run. You can still kind of take it to the shops and all that type of thing. Um, so how do you sort of choose between the two things? And I don't know, like as a Porsche enthusiast, I guess I like BMWs too, but you always kind of go, oh, like in the example of looking at my cousin's sort of thing, it's like, yeah, your M3 is really nice. Don't get me wrong. It's really, really nice, but you should have got a 996. <laughs> you should have like, got your, you should have yeah. got a 911. Like and it you, was like. You kind it, of always have this view that there's yep. nothing like a 911. I it guess, is. But, Once you have one, right, it is. Um, can I just interrupt for a second? It's like I, I said oh. before, it's that video with, T, uh, with um, Shimmy 150 and mm. um, I always forget his name. I'm so terrible. Car Talk podcast guy. Oh, Sam Moores, yep. Sam Moores, sorry, Sam Moores. Sorry, yep. Sam Moores, if you're listening, and probably not. Um, and he yep. had his <laughs> Shimmy's one, Shimmy 150's BMW M3 competition, his new one, and he had his Ferrari yep. Um, 599, uh, not 599, his Ferrari uh, Superfast. A12. Yeah, A12 Superfast. Yep. And it's like, no offense to BMW listeners, but it, it's just not a sports car. The BMW is not a sports car. It doesn't, and and this is how, even with a 911, you know, you, you see it next to a 911 and, it, you know, I saw that in your cousin car, um, you know, I, I don't hate those cars. I don't hate the M3 competition, but it's not mm. a 911 and you see it next to the that picture with the turbo and the, you know, Marco's Turbo and your GT3 and then the M3 competition, it doesn't look, it doesn't look as special. It doesn't mean it isn't special to drive. It just doesn't look as special. 
Yeah, and look, you know, I think I don't really know how to explain it. I'm not in that sort of particular situation. I know like anybody, like my cousin or anybody else that kind of finds himself in this spot and they've got money to burn, I'm automatically going, yeah, get a 9-11. But um, there's a big but to this. Um, I think you would kind of go, oh, okay, so the 9-11 is more special. It's got more character and this and that. You know, it's more iconic, even though an M3 is arguably quite iconic as well. But um, I remember when I had my 1M and, you know, I was kind of getting in and out of, you know, sort of more basic kind of 911s, not my GT3 sort of thinking, mm, the 1M is pretty good. Like it's got all the performance. It's got lots of character. Um, you know, it sounds great looks maybe doesn't look quite as um special but like if you know what it is then you kind of realize how kind of special it no, is it's, so i suppose it's a collector's i suppose car. there are cars out there that um you know kind of can if if you're talking and if your argument is about sort of um special there probably are the odd kind of car here or there that you know could match um a 911 for that sort of sense of occasion Okay, here's a question for you, and I know mm -hmm. because this is something that's going to be quite relevant soon. You know, mm -hmm. you have the GT3, you have the 997.1 GT3. Um, mm -hmm. Would you consider getting a second 911 um, to go with that GT3? So you have a choice. You have a, a mm -hmm. 996.1. Well, we can only mm -hmm. go Carrera because of the price range here. Um, mm -hmm. Carrera, maybe Carrera 4S comes up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Would you go that? Or would you go back to your 1M that you've had before? And I've still got my GT3? Yes. 1M, hands down. Like, so that's because you be. already have the GT3, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay, so like I know we're playing Jeffrey Robertson's hypothetical yeah. here. Yeah, we are actually. But if I didn't have my GT3, if I didn't have my GT3 and it's very hard to obviously kind of emulate it or guess it kind of thing, but then I went to go, so I didn't have a 911 and then I had the choice between a 1M and a 996.1 Carrera. I still reckon I might go the 1M. Yeah. Like it to me it's that special uh, car. Like, And there'll, there'll be other ones like it. Like I'm sure probably like a M2CS is sort of, you know, kind mm. of like that as well or uh, maybe like a E46 um csl there's going to be the yeah, odd kind yeah. of car here or there that um will be able to match a 911 for that sort of kind of character thing that you know like that slightly intangible thing but i think it comes down to how many cars you have doesn't it it keeps coming mm. we keep coming back to this if you can only have one car and you need a practical car then you have to make a decision right and yeah, i know not everyone thinks that you know i know there's you know people i've spoken to on owner stories who you know i've gone into m cars because they needed a practical car, but they still wanted something yeah. enjoyable. And they bought an M car yep. and then they've gone back to Porsche, right? They come back yep. to Porsche yep. because they know Porsche is just, it's still different to a BM. Um, and like I said, we're not, we're not against BM at all here. We actually, I, I mean, I still like BM. I especially like the old ones. I would never buy one mm. probably, but I still do like the, the old ones. But, mm -hmm. you know, something like an M3 CSL is a really special car. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't think you're still going to, I think the driving experience is there, Steve, but I still you miss you're still going to miss something from not having a 911. It's still not the same. I don't know. I still I don't know what it is. It's that essence. It's that history of the 911 is not there. And I know M has a long history, but it's something mm. still missing from it. Do you know what I mean? But like I said, it comes back. If it's your third car and you want to get a, a 1M or you want to get a 
M3 CSL or an M2 competition, uh, sorry, M2 uh, CSL or you want an M2 uh, competition, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of makes sense. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't not make sense. Um, but I think I what think we're talking about is, you know, priorities and cars that you need. But you said this thing that TG said is that people are looking at M's and maybe because a lot of these mm-hmm. older M cars, the, the ones that are sought after, like what Zuckerman has, are getting yeah. so expensive, people are looking for the next big thing, so to, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah, it could be that. It could be that. I think probably when I was sort of thinking about this, it was less about adding T collection and more about probably somebody that, you know, has been in hot hatches and stuff like that and is yeah. kind of making the um, sort of like um, his cousin that I sort of talked about, his first foray into sort of more like a more mature kind of performance car. And, you know, I guess he had the choice between, or well, my assumption is he had the choice between a 911 or otherwise it was an M3 or C63 Blah blah blah. But hasn't um, he owned a nine eleven? Nope. Oh, this is not the cousin that owned a nine eleven. No, no, no. Um, no, it's not. It's oh, a okay. Cousin. Okay. Um, I don't know. Yeah, tricky, so one. tricky one. Tricky yeah, one. I mean, priorities, I, I guess. Priorities. Um, but yeah. Mm. What's made that conversation harder though is just because I mean everything's kind of going up in price, but nine elevens particularly. Um, you know, like. <laughs> Um, hundred hundred grand doesn't get you that far with a with a nine eleven, whereas you know, like a hundred grand actually gets you quite far with a one M M two M three kind of thing. Well, didn't your car's value go up by over ten percent in one year on insurance value? Yeah, yeah, my my car went up fifteen um, percent thirty thirty grand um, in the agreed value. I just did my insurance renewal in one year. Like, that just shows exactly. you where values are going. Are huh? they're going? It's going up. That's for sure. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Um, and like, I got my insurance renewal in the mail. Um, they sent uh, in on email. They sent it to me, and then they kind of recognised that um, the agreed value was potentially could be relooked at. This is with Porsche insurance, um, and I said, "Yeah, can you please relook at it?" Um, and they kind of revised, and they kind of gave me a bracket. Um, and I sort of said, "Yeah, look, just give me give me the lower end of that just give me a new premium on the lower end of that and that was 30 grand more than it was insured wow. for last year it's good it's good um all right uh let's just touch on this before we go steve because we're getting close yeah, to well. the hour i think i think we are i don't yep, know yep. um yep. someone sent me something and i can't 100 percent remember who it was you asked me where i got this idea from Someone said, you know, Steve, yeah, I think it was, I think it was, might have been um, Stephen from Sydney, but I can't remember. Someone said, you know, while you're in there, why don't you get this done? And I think it was about mm-hmm. my, me talking about doing the engine mounts. Um, yep. And someone said, well, why you, why you've got your car in there? Why, why are you in there? Just get it done. You know, otherwise you know, yep. you'd be thinking about why didn't you do it? And just, and you would just be whinging about it all summer while you're trying to drive your car. Yep. Sorry about my croaky throat. I know it's getting worse. Um, <clears throat> so... I thought we'd just touch on this again because I think it's an interesting one and it comes up in owner stories all the time, especially with the IMS. Um, mm-hmm. We always know that people say if you do the clutch to check the IMS and check the, you know, remails, RMS or whatever it is, the seal. Yep. RMS, yep. Um, whatever it's called. I'm very technical, as you know. And I know this is quite uh, applicable to the GT3, isn't it, Steve? Um, you know, I'm losing yeah. the plot here. So tell me what... You know, if, you, if you're going in yeah. and you're doing work, you know, what is it? I, I can't think of anything for me because all the things I'm doing on the, my 997, I don't think there's anything else that I need to check, which is preventative. And I guess preventative, what I'm doing is I'm going to change my engine mounts, even though they're probably not worn out, but they're probably worn. Yeah, specifically with your car, like, um, doesn't sound like 
well, and I don't know, I can't quite remember the list of things, but like things like um, power steering, um, pump reconditioning and all that kind of thing, I'm assuming you don't need to drop an engine um, for that. So I think, look, when you start reading forums, um, as you do, um, a lot of people actually post this question. It's like, oh, like if I have to kind of do this while I'm in there, what else should I kind of be looking at? And I think that kind of classically relates to when a, with a 911, um, whether once you drop an engine, um, it gives you access to a whole bunch of other, other things and it's sort of like, well, I, keep, I guess they keep sort of saying that it's a costly exercise, but I don't, I don't know how many hours it takes. I think it's, what, like about four, five, three, four, five to kind of drop an engine. So even against a labour rate, it's not that dear. It's just more that if you've kind of got to do some sort of pissy little maintenance thing, but you have to get, you'd have to drop the engine to get to it, you may as well try to, you know, nail like the obvious pissy little things while you're in there. Um, sorry, I seem to be swearing a lot this um, episode, but... Um, swearing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so like, I don't know, it, it, you, you could wind up getting into massive kind of can of worms territory again. Like I know when I had um, my coolant lines failed um, and I had to, the engine needed to kind of be dropped for that, like um, this is on a 997 GT3, um, I did have this exact conversation with Autohouse and it's like, okay, so if you're dropping the engine, what else should we look at while we're in there? Um, and... I can't quite remember what they sort of said to me, um, but just because this kind of came up in conversation between you and I, I just had a quick look as to what the classic things that you do on a GT3 are. Um, so if you're dropping the engine, you're looking at, say, your coolant pipes, then you need to look at all of it, like the coolant pipes, lines and gaskets. Maybe that's something you need to kind of have a look at in your car too because I think coolant problems are a, are a, are a constant thing with a 997. Yeah, well, um, remember when I bought my car, it had that slight coolant leak at the back. Remember there was blue? Yeah. But that was just that so, little $5 seal or something. So you want to make sure that everybody looks at all the kind of gaskets and lines and stuff like that. And then I think relate, related to that is the expansion tank, water pump, and the thermostat, which is all obviously kind of uh, related to kind of cooling cooling your car. So that's all um, engine drop, is it? That all has to be accessed with the engine down? Uh, I'm not sure. Water pump, I think, is... Expansion tank, I've got no idea. I watched a um, friend's green Porsche video where they changed an expansion tank in a 996 and I don't think they dropped the engine for that. Oh. Well, maybe they did. I the heat remember. shields. Wasn't it when he was doing um, friend's green's Porsche and he was doing the heat shields as well? Was that dropping the engine? It's a really good video. Yeah. He did a speed yellow 996 C4S. Um, That's that a great video like actually. Kind of work. Yeah. yeah. Tell the listeners about that. They should go and watch it if they haven't seen oh, it. I can't remember, mate. He, it's Friends, Friends he, Green's Porsche, which is in the UK, and it's yeah. the one with the yellow, what was it, yellow C4S? Yeah, Speed Yellow C4S that um, was a really nice car and owned by an enthusiast, but the enthusiast kind of basically just gave them the car and said, look, you know, it needs all this stuff. And they started having to kind of drill out um, like lower control arms and yeah. you know, bushings. And it's a good video. They just yeah. basically it's went good, to town on the car. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's a really good education yep. on yep. Um, sort of basic maintenance, I suppose. Um, I guess. But yeah. Mm, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, like, yeah. Um, I'd say like on a 997 GT3 or even your car, like I'm, I'm guessing like water pumps, I've read that water pumps kind of fail, um, you know, sort of after a bit. So like that's probably something that you might want to kind of have a look at. And I think the thermostat's kind of related to that. So it's all about, you know, right. um, 
the cooling of your car. And then if you're going to drop your engine classically, you obviously then look at clutch-related things. So then you start to kind of consider replacing the clutch, but then do you do the flywheel, the clutch fork, blah, blah, blah. Um, the classic other things, if you're dropping an engine, is to definitely look at the um, RMS, which I guess if you're in a 997 of any sort, you are always going to kind of be conscious of that because it's a known sort of problem that tends to they tend to leak on cars that aren't are driven less, um, apparently. Yeah, um, let's see, mine you can't do anything with. I mean, I think there might be a pack now. That I think there might be a modification or whatever they do now, um, LN Engineering, for my model. But yeah. originally you couldn't get that solution for um, 06s with the larger bearing. Yeah, and then the last the sort of maintenance the last kind of wear and tear maintenance type thing, uh, common failures, but, you know, things that are um, known to kind of let go eventually are plugs and ignition packs um, kind of fail. You, you need to ch change out your serpentine belt, but that doesn't, none of that, those last three require the engine to be dropped. It's just one of those things that um, kind of happens, so... It's an interesting one, though, because it is like, you know, while you're in there, you know what I mean? Like, what, what do you do when the engine's out? If you, if you know your engine has to come out, you kind of need to do your research beforehand, don't you? Because I don't really know. I mean, I only know from what you've told me with yours, with the coolant lines and what you did. Yeah. Um, I guess if I have to get... Potentially expensive question. <laughs> yeah, it's an expensive question, isn't it? Because you also got to keep within your budget. Like, you're doing... Some of these things are preventative, you know. They're, they're, they're maintenance that uh -huh. might not be necessary now, but you've got to weigh up the cost if you do want to take your engine out again in six months or 12 months. Uh -huh. um, I guess when it comes to my point, my thing is when I have to eventually replace my clutch. If I still own the car and I need to replace the clutch, um, what do I do? What do I get them to check? But I'm sure people like Auto House or any Porsche specialist will say to you, well, if you're in there, um, while you're in there, you should do this and you should do that. And and I reckon the the where this is going to circle back to is it comes back to um, your mechanic, the person that if you're slightly less mechanical like us or a lot more less mechanical like you and me, it's going to come back to your mechanic and then the conversation and um, the trust that you have in them because, you know, like if they kind of go, look, you know, your water pump looks okay. We know that it's something that sort of does kind of fail, but why don't you just kind of keep it in there and leave it? Like if it fails and we'll have to drop the engine out and sort of do it again, you know, because I, I have, I'm talking out my bum for a second, but I'm guessing like a water pump is, you know, like not not necessarily a kind of cheap part. I'm guessing it's probably like another grand kind of thing. So the, the problem with while you're in there can of worms is that if you start kind of going, oh, you may as well just do this, that, and everything else, if you're kind of adding $1,000 at a time, <laughs> um, you know, calling yeah. you when you kind of come back in October, you're going to be in for one hefty bill if you're just, yeah. if you're predicting things <clears throat> that are going to go wrong and then you just replace it for the sake of it. Yeah, true, true. It's about being sensible, isn't it? I mean, it's a tricky one. I mean, you don't know until, well, you, think until it happens and the engine's down and you think, okay, what should yeah. I do? What do I do now? How much money? Really have I got in, how much money have I got in my pocket? You really need to be guided by um, your mechanic, and um, again, like you know, just talk about it. Relate it back to your particular situation when you come back to Sydney and you want your car to be kind of nice and schmick. Um, it's still going to be well. You just have to let um, you know, in your instance, let Auto House have a look at it and let them make a recommendation to you. But you know, like. If, if you give them an open check, then of course they're going to kind of go and, you know, go to town on the thing. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that you kind of go, hey, just tell me and I'll do everything because I think that's going to be 
You still use a check? Huh? You got a checkbook? <laughs> <laughs> no, I never had one. I wouldn't have a balance one if I did. Yeah, yeah sorry. Um, going, but but you, you know what I'm saying? Like so much of it is about trust um, yeah, and yeah. then overarching budget as well. Yeah, true, true. No, I have to be sensible. Um, mm. I have to be sensible. But it's, it's, you know, it's an interesting one. Like you could go really crazy. You could just get everything fixed or you could, you know, you just have to trust your specialist like Steve said. Um, well, you, 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 for example, you told me how much like of a little slush fund that you'd kind of put aside for your car. Um, that that sounded last, like really was, high to me. That was last week. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, But just hypothetically, that sounded like a lot. And, you know, the last okay. thing I would be doing is kind of going, hey, like, go and spend the whole lot. Of, like, you know, I'd try to spend half of that if I was. Well, you, I don't want um, to spend all not, of it. Try to but, you know, some of yeah. a, a service alone, if you're doing a service, is quite a bit already. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't even know what service oh. I'm up to. I couldn't even remember. I was trying to remember it the other day. I can't even remember. I don't think it's major. Yeah. I think it's only annual and annual and minor are probably due. That's it. Yeah. I well, think. Well, anyway, I when you remember. get to that, let me, let me know too because um, – my car's booked in, or well, Cindy's car's booked in um, for its annual service at Auto House next week. So I'm going to go pay the guys. Well, this wouldn't be till October. I don't. I think it's silly to put it in in time before then because um, if I need to leave it there, because I'd rather just pick it up from there and just leave it there with them, as I said. Yeah. Um, so yeah. if it's going to be in storage there and I have to pay for it, I don't want it to be like too long a period. You know what I mean? Um, I'm sure like if you were leaving it there for a week or two, it'd be all right. Not that I can speak on their behalf, but then if you trying to think it'd be like about a week, you know what I mean? Just so it's just covered. Um, anyway. Yeah. But then if you also layer in that conversation about whether or not you'd want to get them to help, um, collaborate with, um, Atlas to kind of get your bumper repaired and stuff like that, then, you know, there's another, another week to kind of get that done at the very least. I don't know what's wrong with me about that. But I kind of mm. want to be part of that process. I don't know why. I just sure. because it's paint. I just I get nervous. You know what I mean? Um, because oh, I don't I really know the process of how they go it, and I like to be exp- for it to be explained to me. And then you know that it's that if the bumpers just spray, that it blends in with the body, okay? Because I, I I just don't know how it all works. Because it's been such a long time since I've had anything um, sprayed on a car. Mm. Um, mm. I think it was the A3 was the last one I had done some time ago. So that's what I just kind of, I don't know. I just, I'm not sure if I'm a hundred percent comfortable in just leaving that, the, the bodywork yeah. side of it to be done when I'm not there, but I might, I'm just, I just need to, yeah. you know, have I can some understand confidence. that it was, I've made the suggestion to Michael during the week that, um, even though I said it on the podcast last week, which is exactly what you just explained that maybe if you didn't want to kind of go without your car, because I think if it goes into a body shop to kind of have the front bumper done, your car's going to be off the road for, you know, seven, ten days kind of thing, um, which is seven or ten valuable days that you want to be enjoying it. But when um, they spray a bumper though, Steve, do they, you don't yeah. have to blend it to the body anymore. You just, they just, no, they'll no. just repair the bot. They'll just repair the bumper. They'll just spray the yeah, whole bumper. They, they basically spray the whole bumper. They don't touch any of the other panels. Um, but How do you know it matches craft- properly? Yeah, I was about to say the craft in that is to make sure that it matches. I don't know how they do that. Well, I guess you're guessing that the starting point is is if your car is all original, which, you know, like obviously your think, – think of the bits that line up with the front bumper, which are the wings and the bonnet, the front bonnet, um, the lid. Um, if they're all kind of original, then obviously that's where the paint code kind of comes in. So the starting point would be, uh, you know, I'm guessing that you mix – the paint the paint that you'd kind of respray your bumper in is going to be to the paint code but whether or not they make 
and see this is where you need to talk yeah, to yeah. Um, the panel shop is like, oh, okay, so do they do anything like for a car that's, you know, um, now 15 years old? Do they kind of modify mm. the the mixture of the paint or do they do anything to kind of just allow for the fact that maybe there's a little bit of whatever it is, fade or does a white or a silver car kind of yellow slightly with age? I don't know. I, mm. I've actually never had that type of conversation. And then I want to get the PPF put back on the front bumper and then I also want to get PPF put on the bonnet. That's the other thing, oh, okay. see. So that's the other thing, which is why I'm not sure if I should do it when I'm there or I can do it with, when I'm away. That's you the other side your, of it. Um, you've got to let your paint cure before you do that. Ah, see, correct. So, so just for argument's sake, I know we're just talking hypothetical again, but say you take your car to Atlas, you give it to them, it's off the road, having the paint, uh, the bumper, like that kind of little tear repaired, then they repaint it. Um, you've got to let you've got to let that cure for a week at least or a couple of weeks. It was quite weeks, a long time. Ideally. Yeah, I remember that someone I was watching on YouTube did that. It was quite longer than a week, I think. A month actually. I think yeah. it's a, I think it might be a month. Um so you don't want so you don't want to leave the car with them for a month. No. Um, and and this is my point in terms of just sort of saying to you maybe you want to start having these conversations with Atlas and Auto House um even though you're overseas like give them a call and try to talk to them about it because I think the worst thing that could happen to you is that you land in Sydney on October, whatever, you're in quarantine for two weeks, then you start getting to your car stuff and you, if you lose your car for like a month and a half, um, yeah. to me, just it's a bit of a waste for you. Yeah, it is. It is. You're right. All right, mate. We'll leave it there. Yeah, cool. um, let me think Sorry, about friendly. that. People are going, you really haven't made up your mind yet, but I, I do take a while to make up my mind what I'm <laughs> it's doing. All good, mate. Um, anything else? That's about it, right? Nope. Yep, all, good. all right, mate. Thanks for that. Have a good. Um, we've gone. It's it's yeah, twenty five to one in the morning here. Twenty five to one in the morning. Just so you know the, the yeah. Sorry, it was the, a late stop. No, I'm just going to say to the listeners, just so you know how you know what is the word dedicated. How dedicated we are to this podcast. Committed. Committed to the podcast. <laughs> all right, Steve. Thanks, mate. All right. Take Have a easy. good week. Yeah, you too. Yeah, you too. All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening to the Portugal Podcast. That was Steve coming from Sydney. My name is Michael Bath. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for all the support and bye for now.